I want to talk about the fruit of prayer. And you have that hand out there. That's why I had the lights on because there's a little drawing on that. And that those little diagrams, I'll talk about what those are. But those are the very first thing God showed to me with this lesson. And it was it was honestly earlier this week. Uh, but I'm thankful for God showing me these images. And then as he showed those, I was upstairs in office up here and there's a dry erase board. And I just could I couldn't stop writing once once I drew those out. I just couldn't. It was it was just a it was just a stream of thought, just straight from God, just writing and writing. And I I texted my wife and I said, God just gave me a miracle. She's like, Well, what's that? I said, I just wrote out an entire this entire thing. And I just to be honest, I just walked into the office and just started doing that. And so I'm very thankful for God's love. And I feel like we have something here from God to to look at. So I'm gonna talk about the fruit of prayer. And those diagrams, I wanted to say that there's an opposite, there's an antithesis. There's a plus or a minus to each one of these steps. You can see it says one, two, three. So there's one A, one B, two A, two B, et cetera. Well, the A's and all of these are what I want to talk about are, are concerns. They're areas we need to watch out for in our, in our prayer life. And, uh, that, that first one, uh, I want to start off with the scripture, the pray by it. It's, uh, Romans eight, five through six. Um, before we do that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your sovereign uh, power uh, showing us the way, God, each and every day. We thank you, God, for your word. Lord, I pray, God, it would be a light under our feet, a lamp under our pathway. I pray your word today would wash us and renew us and strengthen us. We pray your spirit, God, would lead and guide us in not only into all truth, but into revelation, into enlightenment, into seeing God a better way for ourselves and those around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Romans 5, 5 through 6 says, uh, And the people who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about what the Spirit wants them to do. If your thinking is controlled by your sinful self or by your carnal nature, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the Spirit, then there's life and peace. So that visual, pray by it, you can see it's, it's, it's like standing up, right? And you can see a small arrow. And your prayer becomes smaller when there's concerns and issues in your life and you start to fellowship those pains and those hurts. What I'm saying is when, when, when you get close to those, they start, you start to become comfortable with those. I'm talking about even sin. I'm talking about maybe poor decisions. And we start fellowshipping our struggles. We start getting comfortable with the things that are, we're supposed to get, uh, if you will, agitated about, and we're supposed to get stirred up about, and we're supposed to find a place in prayer. But we stop, we stop praying sometimes when we, and we kind of give up and we start to pray by it. And I'll, I'll go into the next one here in a moment, but acceptance of your situation causes your ability to believe to shrink to atrophy. When we set aside or when we cozy up to something that we know we shouldn't get close to, what happens is our spiritual man starts to become weaker. And we start that that thing starts to become our message and starts to become what we say to others. And it's not so much anymore faith, it's more giving that situation in our life, we're giving that credence. 
it says here in Matthew 6, 24 through 34, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of go through this quickly. It talks about that we can't serve two, two masters because we're going to hate one or we're going to love the other. And it goes on to say that we can't serve God uh, and mammon. Well, that word mammon in the Greek means confidence and wealth. And this is not just, mammon is just not wealth that you have when you do, uh, you, when you work and you get paid. Mammon is your talent, your name. It's putting confidence in other things than God. My abilities, how, how witty I am, how I can strike up a conversation real easy. Now, those are all good things and God wants to use those things. But when we put more emphasis on our person and we put more emphasis on our abilities, that's where we're starting to lean into mammon. And we've started to, we started to look at his God as a fire escape only. And we use all these other things where in our life, our abilities and our strengths, we start to use those to, to, to try to fight battles and to get, and, and if we're not careful, we'll try to use those things to fight spiritual battles. So this, this passage here in Matthew 6, 24 through 34, you can read it later. I don't have it in your notes, but I can give you these, 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 we should take no thought for anything because God is in control. I'm inspired by this quote from Eli Hernandez. He said, why are you grabbing what's in your social atmosphere when you can grab what's in your spiritual atmosphere? Why do you hold on to the things that what social media says about you or what people's likes or their comments say about you or what your circle of friends might say about you when you can grab onto what the spirit says who you are, what the word of God says who you are. So now I want to go to the next one, pray over it. And the difference here is there's, there's cozying up to something and then there's taking authority over it. And you can see praying over it. The prayer is bigger, it's bolder, and the over it is smaller. Because we broke God's laws, this is Colossians chapter 2, because we broke God's laws, we owed a debt. That debt is listed as rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us that debt. He took away and nailed it to the cross, amen? He defeated the rulers and the powers and the spiritual world. With the cross, he won a victory over them and led them away as defeated and powerless prisoners for the whole world to see. We have authority with God, and he said greater things that you'll do. So the same victory that he won on the cross over, we can also take a position over every problem. Be sure you're not led away. This is Colossians 2, uh, 8 through 10. Be sure you're not led away by the teaching of, of those who have nothing worth saying and only plan to deceive you. That teaching is not from Christ. It's from human tradition and comes from the powers that influence this world. I say this because all of God lives in Christ fully, even in his life here on earth. And because you belong to Christ, you are complete, having everything you need. Christ is the ruler over every other power and authority. Here's the benefits when you pray over it. It builds your faith because you have a vantage point when I'm right here with something, I'm eye to eye with it. I'm dealing with it in my human strength, in my human abilities, in my abilities to relate with it. But when I come over it and I'm over the top of it, I see that same vantage. When I talked about the shepherd earlier, how he puts, the, he puts that staff out and the sheep go underneath, that's a position of authority. 
That shepherd is over the sheep, not in a ruling like I'm over you way, but in a, but in a way of authority where he can see everything going on in our lives. Well, the same thing is with situations in our life that, that God wants to, us to be over them. And he gives us a perspective that nothing else can give us in life. Outside of being a Christian, you cannot have the same perspective. But when you're a Christian, you can have that. And then it develops alignment. It causes you to become aligned. When you have a situation, you remember, oh no, I have authority over this. This doesn't have to rule me. This doesn't, I don't have to relate to this, fellowship this, embrace this. I don't care what it is, a diagnosis, a diagnosis, uh, 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 some kind of legal thing going on in your life. Okay. We, we've seen numerous times we, j- uh, it, things happen in people's lives and God comes through and, and breaks through and causes things just miraculous to happen. And you know what this does? This promotes God's promises. This puts us in a place where our, we're not battling with our mind with something here, but we're up at a higher plane, a higher position where we can hear the still small voice of God. Cause it's noisy down here, guys. It's noisy here on earth. It's noisy. But in prayer, God wants to get us into a position where we're over it. Amen. This next one, pray around it. You can see where, you can see where the word around it's in the middle and there's this circle going around it of prayer. Well, what's wrong with praying around it, brother Art? Well, it causes an avoidance. We'll keep a safe distance from something. You know, we want to insulate our lives with comfort. Instead of going to the root and dealing with it. We will almost build furniture around a problem. We'll build our whole life around a problem. It'll start to influence our family, our friends. They'll come around us and we'll make them circle our problem. We'll say, well, look what I deal with and we'll, and we'll talk about it. Distractions don't seem to show up until something significant needs to be addressed. Isn't that true? Distractions kinda are the friends of problems. Problems and issues and situations arise in our life. They come because God's using those things to perfect us. But what also comes with those is distractions. This is when we're easily pulled away by others' problems, our own problems, sins, and poor choices. When we have a challenge to face, we often look to see who other, who is either has it better than us or has it worse than us. And here's the problem when we're going through something and we're looking to ease our conscience, we're looking to ease our plight without prayer. What happens is we start to go, who has it worse so I can feel better? Or who has it better so I can sit here and be like a Sadducee and just, oh, everything's bad. You know, this is my life with God is everything's terrible. What happens there is we, we get gratified when we see people in worse situations because we go, Oh, I have it better. Or what happens in these extreme comparisons is we prolong our plight. We prolong and we lose weeks. We lose months and we lose years as we circle and skirt the problem and the root of that problem. It's important that we understand that we need to pray through it. And you see that next one, pray through it. Nehemiah 4 and 9 says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. 
God will allow friction to arise. God will allow friction to show up. He'll allow friction to be appeared, to fortify us, to cause us to stand up, stay up, and discern intentions. He is not punishing us when he, uh, he was not punishing the people that were building the wall with, Jer- with uh, Nehemiah. He wasn't punishing them. He's pulling us into our rightful place. He's putting us in our rightful position. He's taking us from isolation and fret to a mind flooded with courage and a heart poised in faith. We don't know how good God is until we see God in a situation where he's ultra lit up and we see him. And if, and if we go through a life isolated in comfort, we're never going to truly know the depths of God's love, his grace, his power. Amen. Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not become weary in well-doing, for in proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Does someone give in first, or do they give up first? Okay, giving in comes first. Okay, it's when something becomes too challenging, too difficult, or it's beneath you, or it goes against your willpower, or it goes against your pride. Your will and character won't give in and cannot bow any, any lower or press on any further without resolution. This is what we look for and, and, and we'll give up if we don't see a resolution fast enough, if we don't get recompense fast enough, or we're not rewarded fast enough. Giving up is seen on the outside, but we give in far before we give up. Giving in is a wearing down of your faith. It's a wearing down of your walk with God. So you need to, in Hebrews 10.36, it says you need to persevere so that when you've done all the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Psalms 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yes, there is death, not just physical death, but a withering of resolve, a sliding of my person, my name being torn up, my hope being vanquished, but in it all, I am not swayed by them or what I see or what I hear or even what I feel because, Lord, you're right here next to me. It's just noise. It's all noise. See, but what God does is, is, is God will attune our ears to only hear his voice and only hear what he said about us. So the benefits, the benefits of praying through it, it builds courage. It develops stamina. And what I'm excited about, it promotes the victor's joy. And what's the victor's joy? This type of joy, it's not a parade. The victor's joy, it's not fanfare. It's not accolades. It's not anybody rolling out the red carpet for you. This joy is knowing that you marched forward when many stopped. This joy sees what is not yet present, but knows what was spoken is more evident than what my natural senses can sense and confirm. This joy knows that humility, lack, and brokenness are the currency of the supernatural. Micah 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. We need to realize and understand that getting around it and building a relationship with our problems and and, and building an environment around those things, that is not the way you do it. You go right headlong at it and you go straight through it. 
and you pray about it and you process the feelings and you process the situation and you journal, but you're doing it all in the presence of God. You're allowing God to come in and walk through that valley with you, walk through that valley alongside you, and sometimes walk in that valley carrying you. Okay, we're on to step three here and this kind of duality, these things that we need to be careful of and then these things that we need to lean into more heavily. <clears throat> Pray after it. This one's heavy because this waits until the doctor has seen me to have faith. This one waits until the counselor has a session with me before I have faith. This one is, is I have to go meet with the pastor to see what I'm going to do about this before I'm going to pray about it or do anything. This is, this is saying, I, I need this to happen before I'll have faith in it. This needs this situation. Let me get into this. This attitude is like a reporter who watches a story unfold without being an active participant. Again, praying after it. This is you being a reporter in your life. You're not involved with the situation. You've, you've distanced yourself and you're just reporting on what's going on. And who are you reporting to? You're reporting to, uh, uh, you're doing terrible self-talk. You're saying things. You're, you're reporting the obvious, but you're not seeing beyond and seeing God's promises. Uh, we all do this. I'm not saying you. I'm saying us. We, we all have these things where we, where we wait. Waiting for a diagnosis, diagnosis, waiting for the truth to come out, waiting for somebody else to show up or something extra to happen before you invest your faith. You know what this is? This is fear in action. Fear freezes you to the point of always needing more info, more research, more knowledge, more qualifications, more understanding, more people, more professionals, more ministers, more friends, more support, more love. More money, more advancement, more discussions, more counseling. It says, I'll wait to feel good about it after it. You've loaned out your faith to others and you've said, when so-and-so says I'm ready, then I'll be ready. Or when so-and-so says it's good, it will be good. This is what Jeff Arnold says. Don't let anyone's opinion of you become your reality. I'll say that again. Don't let anybody's opinion of you become your reality. Now, I'm obviously not talking about the word of God in Christ. I'm talking about anybody but those. Don't let, the, don't let, don't let your enemies do that. And the uh, next concern is reasoning. Reasoning is a coping mechanism. It's natural to reason. It's natural to go, well, this, this is happening because of this. And, and you sit here and you talk about it and you reason it. And, and, and it's keeping you from praying for it. We seek meaning in our condition. We seek meaning in our situation. We seek meaning in our frame. By reasoning and intellect, we postpone our God-given potential. I'm going to say that again. By reasoning and intellect, which aren't bad things, hear me, we postpone our God-given potential, settling in for the long haul mentality hitches us to our family secrets. It hitches us to sin's heavy wages. It hitches us and makes hope lean and shriveled up in our life. 
Hope in and of itself is not bad, but when we, when we use hope as our only escape, it's some distant thing that's going to happen in our life. I'm going through this, but I have enough faith for something good to happen way, way, way down the line. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to lean into this and let this thing just have its way in my life. You say this when you reason. Here we go again. I guess I should just buckle up and to hunker down and to get low and just to avoid people and not show my love. Hide in my house. Hide in my car. Hide in the break room. Stay at my desk at lunch. I'm only preaching to myself. Clearly, right? We're not talking about any of us here or anybody else. We say this is going to be forever. And it causes our faith to be shriveled. We say it's a far off possibility and something may come along. Basically, we give up and we settle into a new reality. Talking about praying after it. I'm talking about waiting for it to materialize before we go, okay, now it's time to pray. Now that the cancer has completely had a party in my body, now I'm going to ask the church, now I'm going to make it obvious that I have this situation. Can you pray for me now, now that I know it's full-blown and it's just run its course, and now, now can I have some prayer? Oh, no. Oh, no. Even before the C word comes, you should be praying over your life every day. Amen? And just because it was in your family doesn't mean it's going to be in you. I don't know what I'm talking to right now, but I'm talking to some stinking thinking. I'm talking to some people that have said, you know what, I'm just waiting for it to happen because it's going to happen. You know what, that's the devil. That's the devil. That ain't even your flesh. That's the devil. That's the devil. The devil wants you to wait and not get activated so he can, he can align that thing that after it, he can course that for you because he said, this guy doesn't, this guy, this gal, they don't, they, they don't want to get action in front of this. They don't want to get in front of this thing. They don't want to get down uh, and, and, and pray and seek God and, and break up some fallow ground. This, this person's going to wait. They're going to, they're not going to, and I'm not, I'm not talking about those that wait on the Lord shall renew. I'm not talking about that passage. I'm talking about an attitude, an attitude that says, well, when they say it's time, I'll do it. You know, when the pastor preaches that lesson, that's when I guess it's time for me to get serious about my walk with God. When God moves on that person to say this, I guess that's time for me to do that. Oh, no, you need to decide way long before Sunday that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and, and can I just talk about that for a minute? Sunday's not your place to come and get, can I just say this? To just come and get fed. Come in here with your emaciated body that you haven't been stirring in the word of God all week, that you haven't been praying all week, and to come in here hobbling in here, and what do you got for me, pastor? No, we need to come in here and be a strength to this house. We need to come in here and be a pillar in this place. You're the elect. You're the called. You're the ones that said, you know what, on Saturday morning, I'm setting my alarm early, and I'm getting there, and I'm getting it done, and I'm, 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 I'm getting locked in to the presence of the Lord. It's you, these people, you here now, that the man of God leans on every single Sunday to be in the amen corner to be pushing, amen, the gospel forward. 
How can we do that when we're waiting for circumstances to materialize and we're waiting for the check to come and we're waiting for the boss to say, it's okay, it's coming now. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of waiting on man and waiting on mammon and waiting on other strength and waiting on all these different things to happen. Now, God uses those things, I'll say, to bless people. So I'm going to go to the last thing. Pray for it. And where are we at now? We're underneath it. We're not over it. Wow, should we get underneath it? Let me, let me talk about this with you. Petition on others' behalf. That's love. No agenda. No concept in your mind that they're going to pay me back, that they're going to take care of me, that when I have a need, they're going to pray for me. No, this is completely a selfish act. This idea of girding in, getting underneath, and supporting somebody. I want to talk about here First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen. This is this is the love. This is the love book. This is the love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and all the knowledge. And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains and I don't have love, what does it say? I am nothing. If I give everything away, I own. And I, and I give over my body in order to boast so I can say I gave everything away, I gave my life away for God, and I don't have love, there's no benefit. Because love is patient. Because love is kind. Love doesn't fellowship envy. Love doesn't brag. Love will not allow itself to get puffed up. It's not rude. Love doesn't serve itself. It's not easily angered. Love has no resent. It is not glad about injustices, but love rejoices in the truth. Love, true love, God love, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. But if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it'll be set aside. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set childish ways aside. For now I see in a mirror directly, and I see now face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know in fully, just as I have been fully known. And now these remain, these three, hope, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, I'd say the thumb, the one that touches them all, is love. God says to you, I'm behind you. And you know what we're supposed to say to others? The same thing God says to us. The voice that you hear in your heart encouraging you is the same thing you're supposed to do for others. 
We're supposed to be a mirror reflecting God's goodness in our life, His, His kind words to us, the way He treats us in our secret closet, in our prayer closet, the, the, the way He tells you, I love you and I care for you and I want everything good for you. We're supposed to be an echo. We're supposed to be a, 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 a repeater of that. We're supposed to be a cell tower of God's love. How many of you know, if you don't got a cell tower by your house, you are done. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. You know what I got? I got nothing in my house. And T-Mobile gave me that 4G booster I put in my house. And it sucks all the bandwidth for my Wi-Fi. It's comedy. It's comedy that, that if that thing, if the internet goes out, you, you're not going to talk to me on my phone. It's, 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 it's so true that we are to be a powerful repeater. And you know what a good cell tower does? It doesn't add any static when it, when it takes that, when it takes that conversation and it bounces it across cell towers to where you're at. It doesn't add anything. You know, remember the game telephone? You whisper something in somebody's ear and that person goes, okay, okay. And they come over here and they whisper it in that ear and they go over. And, and by the time it goes around the whole room, maybe you've done this as a, as a youth group or in, in, in somewhere. By the time it comes around, it's like the elephant is pink, you know, and it walked down the street twirling a baton. And you're like, I, I didn't even say that over here. I said my sister was wearing a blue dress. And it got over here, and all of a sudden it's an elephant doing a parade down the street. We're not supposed to do that with God's Word. We're supposed to say it just like it came to us and the way it comes through His Word. We've said these things before, but what really matters when somebody lifts you up, and I'm talking about really lifts you up, these are the people that hunker down low. Now I'm going to talk about what this looks like praying for it. What it, what it, what it looks like getting underneath somebody else's need. These kind of people, they hunker down. They get down low in the altar. You might see them. They might, they might bring a tissue box up there. They might bring their Bible up there. They might bring a notebook up there. They might bring a pillow up there. They might bring a blanket up there. They're not, they're not coming up there to tap in with God. They're coming in there to get underneath something, to get underneath something, to lift it up. Amen. They hunker down. They settle in. They're ready for a prayer session. They're saying, no, not today. I got skin in the game. Not today, Satan. Not now. Not here. This is not just another person. This is my brother. This is my sister. This is my people. Something inside of you turns into an earth mover. Who am I talking to? I'm getting excited about this. This is just this, this is, this is the spirit of God coming on me. But I, but, but who wants to be a mountain eradicator for somebody else? Who wants to be a ground tiller? Who wants to go before, amen, people and stand in the gap? Who wants to uproot? Who wants to remove? Who wants to take back from the enemy's camp the things that belong to your brothers and sisters? This type of wholesale support. This sold out, I ain't leaving nothing behind. I'm taking my full self into this situation. This kind of prayer ushers in a level of selfless intercession that calls on the spirit of the breaker. If you want to know when, when I'm, this whole, this is me. This is how I operate. This is, and, and I'm not doing this whole lesson when I operate, but this is how I get behind people. This is why you see me in the altar and I got tears running down my face. I am not sad. I am not sad. 
but I am dealing with everybody's needs. I am, you know, and I'm nobody special, but I'll tell you this right now. When I feel the spirit of the breaker come on somebody, this is what happens. Micah 2 and 13. The breaker, this is talking about Jesus Christ, has come up before them, and they have been broken up. They have been passed through the gate, and they are gone out, and their king shall pass before them, and the Lord on the head of them. This is talking about Jesus Christ going to Calvary and winning the victory. Jesus is the spirit of the breaker. Jesus is the one that will make an open example of the devil. He is the one that rules everything. The breaker is no one else in front of us. It's no one else behind us. The breaker is the Lord Jesus Christ, the King Messiah, the King of Zion, the King of us, the saints, that goes before his people as a king before subjects and as a shepherd before his flock, who is the true Jehovah, the Lord our righteousness, who is the head and the head of the church and the captain of salvation that is at the head of his armies, his chosen and faithful ones. They follow and they march after him. What does this do? What does praying for it do? It builds unity. It develops compassion. And it, it develops and promotes a selfless, supportive mindset. Would somebody pray right now? That's I'm, I'm done talking now. Would somebody decide in your heart those three things I talked about, that you're going to pray for it, you're going to get underneath it, you're going to root out enemies, you're going to root out, uh, uh, you're going to root out sin, you're going to root out things in, uh, uh, around your life, around others' life, you're going to pray through it, you're not going to pray around it, you're not going to, you're not going to build a whole life around your problems and your situations and your plight and, 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 oh, my parents did this and I'm in this situation and, and, and you're going to fellowship that your whole life. You're going to build a memorial around your problems. No, you need to pray through it because on the other side, in Jesus name, there is a call on your life to not become and settle and become what a broken person to be, uh, uh just a mere shadow of yourself. Come on, take no thought. Amen. Take no thought for what is going on, for what your eyes see, for what your senses feel, for what the, the, the natural says this is what's happening. Take no thought of that. We need to pray over it. We need to get authority over it. We need to mount up on wings like eagles. Amen. We ain't chickens with eyesight that's two feet away. God gave us eagle eyes so we can see from a distance, that we can see problems coming, that we can zero in on a target, that we, he, he, with his authority, he will cause us to be razor focused. I'll leave you this with this. And God bless Brother Hernandez's memory. Why are you grabbing into your social atmosphere the things that you need when you can grab from the spiritual atmosphere? Do you know how to grab from the spiritual atmosphere? Do you know what it means to come and pray three, four, five hours at the church? Do you know what it means to get your mind set like a flint? Nothing's going to keep me from doing this. But you know, sometimes push comes to shove. And you really got to 
make a difference. And whether anybody sees what you do, whether anybody records down on some uh, form on the back wall that you've prayed, whether anybody has made a record or a note or seen you what you do, none of that matters. The only thing matters is that you decide in your heart, no more. This is stopping. This is stopping. This is stopping. But th this isn't meant to stay here. This isn't meant to just be a nice school of prayer thought. This, this, take that paper. Read through it. Get the, I didn't put all the scriptures because there would have been like five, five pages. But read those scriptures. Get in there. Uh, I love you guys. God bless you.